Lord, our communities and our nation and this world needs truth, needs love, needs your word, and needs people who are full of your anointing and your power. I pray your power be put on display today. I pray your word be brought forth in truth today. And I pray that your people would hear what you have to say. That we would open ourselves up to hear exactly what you want to speak. the interpretation, let them speak now. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise for that, please. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank God for the tongues and interpretation that went out here this morning. It confirms my message. You may be seated. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to one passage of Scripture. It won't make sense for a while because I'm going to be preaching to you a very sensitive message. I don't want any of you to stop in the middle of the message to go to the restroom or anything because if you don't hear it all, you're going to be, you might misunderstand me because I'm, I, I'm going to say certain things and then, then later on I will clarify them. And if you miss the clarification, you may think I mean one thing and when really I'm saying another. So hang with me in this sermon today. John chapter 7, verse 46, it just simply says, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. Never a man spake like this man. 
Let us, let us go into the word of the Lord today with faith and courage because what I'm going to be preaching to you is where we're living at today and we're going to explain some things. Last week was Pentecostal Sunday and I told you that I really struggled in what message to actually preach to you on that day. The Lord had placed a burden on my heart concerning the current affairs that's going on in our land and within our country. And I almost delivered the message that I had prepared this morning last week, but due to it being Pentecostal Sunday, I wanted to honor our Pentecostal heritage and I wanted to honor our Pentecostal faith. And that's vitally important because how many knows Pentecost is the empowerment of the kingdom. It empowers us to live out the principles of the word of God in the midst and in the face of much adversity. And let me tell you something, folks. We are facing a life of adversity. The Bible tells us that in the last days that perilous times will come. It's no secret of where we're at. We've been preaching to you about the last days. We've been preaching to you about what God's laid upon our heart that we're entering into the days of sorrow that Jesus talked about. I'm proud though to stand tall to here today and tell you that we are a Pentecostal church. Are you proud to be Pentecostal here today? Are you really proud? If you're glad to be a Pentecostal church, would you do me a favor? Would you just stand to your feet and glorify God and say hallelujah that we're Pentecostal, that we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. We trust in the power of the leading of the Holy Ghost. We still believe in the empowerment and the baptism of the spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now that you have stood up and clapped your hands, I just set you up and you don't even know it. And we're going to show you what you just committed to. You may be seated. You know, but it's not always been popular to be a Pentecostal people. Did you know that? Our history reveals great struggle and division in our history due to all the misunderstandings, misconceptions, and the opinions and the mindsets of others concerning this thing called the Pentecostal movement. Due to these kinds of things, we have become branded and became stigmatized in the past. We've been accused of being a cult. We've been accused of being devil worshipers. We've been accused of being demon-possessed people. Did you know there were times when people were afraid of us and did you know they thought we were really out there in left wheel Woo when we spoke in tongues? Did you know that there was a group, a, a big massive push against us because we literally said we heard the voice of God? We've been accused of being ignorant and unlearned people with mental challenges. We've been accused of being simple-minded and uneducated. That wasn't nothing new. Even in the book of Acts, what did they say about all of them great apostles that were filled with the Holy Spirit? These men be, these men be unlearned and ignorant people. That's what Pentecost cost was portrayed like in the early America. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that they spoke against us. There's been more discrimination and persecution and violence against Pentecostalism in early America than any other religion. Did you know that? Our churches and our tents, revivals had been burned down. Our preachers have been jailed. They have been persecuted. They've been run out of town. Our church services have been invaded and disrupted and stones and tomatoes and eggs and other objects have been thrown in our people in yesteryears. Our people have been shunned and mistreated and discriminated against within their communities and sometimes they were even beaten just for being Pentecostal. Our own children have been shunned and ignored and rejected and pushed, pu and pushed away due to stigmatism placed upon them. In other words, don't, we don't want you to play with those Pentecostal people's children. They're weird. They're full of, of demons. Don't get around that home. 
home. These children were rejected from their activities during the time, school functions and other community events. And in today's world, it would be equivalent of someone saying this, I defriend you because you're Pentecostal. If, if you hold to this belief, I'm not going to have anything to do with you if you're Pentecost. Stereotyping and profiling is no new thing. It existed way back in the day against Pentecostal people. Matter of fact, the stereotyping came due to these so-called what they called snake handlers of the day where they handled snakes and many of them got bit by poisonous snakes, rattlesnakes, and copperheads and they lost their lives and their children would get bitten and those that survived lost arms and legs and, and become deformed over the poison that was in their bodies and this was all done under the name of Pentecost. Other misconceptions formed and stigmatisms was placed upon the people over the years due to legalistic, hard, judgmental, mean-spirited people preaching a doctrine of bondage. They were critical. They were condescending. They were spreading division, causing conflicts, pulling people into arguments, creating strife due to legalistic beliefs all under the name of Pentecost. So in the eyes of the public, guess what? Pentecostals were hateful. They were spiteful. They were mean. They were judgmental. They were people who was labeled as weird, ignorant, stupid, and even demonic. And the problem was that society had linked all Pentecostals together as if one brand of Pentecost owned the copyright to their name. But we live in the 21st century now, thank God for that, where Pentecost is highly revered and respected and honored among American culture and American society. It's no longer the Pentecostal church that's on the wrong side of the tracks and in the bad part of town, that's where we started because we wasn't allowed anywhere else. Go back and read your history. You have a great heritage. And let me tell you, the liberties that we have today, our forefathers did not have that liberty. They paid a price. They were the catalyst. They come out of a fire. They were a brand plucked out of the fire. Can I have an amen? We need to appreciate. Would you give the forerunners, some of these old people that understand what I'm talking about, would you give them a great big hand for being, being the catalyst of who they were? We are who we are today because of how they won the battle over this stuff. Oh, God, help me preach here today. But it's no longer that we're on the bad side of town, but now there's Pentecostal churches that have built towering cathedrals, massive structures in the most elite parts of the cities around America. What used to be Pentecostal churches running 10 to 30 people in attendance, that's how it all started out, 10 here, 20 here, 30 there. It has now become churches that is running up to tens of thousands of people in attendance in their congregational sizes. Pentecost has some of the biggest churches in America. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, the largest church in the world is of a Pentecostal origin. It's in Seoul, Korea, and by Dr. Cho's church that runs over eight hundred thousand believers in that church. Oh, can you give the Lord praise for that? Eight hundred thousand in one Pentecostal church. It is now recorded that there are 8.22 million Pentecostals in America alone, not counting some of the independents who do not record, who do not keep records, and not counting some even denominationals because they look at them sometimes when they look at like the Assemblies of God or the Church of God, they call Assemblies of God instead of Pentecostal. So that, 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 that number is way inflated because the Assemblies of God is somewhere over 10 million people. The Church of God's 8 million people strong, and there is a staggering 400 
than 50 million Pentecostals in the world. And they say that the number of Pentecostals in the world is much, much higher than that due to the underground churches in parts of the world that cannot be counted because their lives are at stake. They say by four, though, when you get into the underground church, it has more Pentecostals than any other Christian faith all combined. If you would get the Baptist, if you'd get the Presbyterian, if you'd get the Lutheran, if you'd get all those people that's under the underground and count them, they wouldn't even make up a fraction of the Pentecostals. It's underground preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give God praise for what God has done through the power of Pentecost. Hallelujah. I'm about to preach. Hang on here. I said all of that to say this. Look at what's going on in our world today. Our world has not been divided like it is right now since the Civil War. We are seeing our nation being pulled apart, divided, and even destroyed. The Bible is clear. The house of the nation that's divided against itself, it cannot stand. And we see Isaiah 59, 14 right in front of our eyes coming to pass. And judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afore off. For truth is fallen in the street. Equity cannot enter. Now, I want to go with number four. I want to start with it first. I want you to look at the four things that's happening in this scripture that is being revealed and manifested in the day of 2020 right here in America. I want you to look at the fourth one first because all of the other messages hinge on this one. First of all, it says equality cannot enter. Our equity cannot enter. That word equity means the quality of being fair and impartial. In other words, it's saying that the quality of being fair and impartial cannot even enter in in these last days. In other words, that things is not going to be fair. There is going to be injustices and there's going to be things that happen that will go against us like we've never seen before. Number one was that judgment is turned backwards. Now this speaks of no common sense. Where wrong is called right, where right is called wrong, where evil is called good and good is called evil. And we know that we, the scripture tells us in the last days that was going to happen. That evil would be called good. Good would be called evil. It's happening. Do I, that, that's a sermon within itself I could preach. I could preach four-point sermon right here. Number two, justice standeth afore off. This speaks of no justice for wrongdoing, no consequences for crimes committed. It speaks of a broken judicial system where there's a set of laws and rules for certain people and another set of laws for other people. How many knows that that's the way it is in America right now? There's a broken down judicial system where there are certain people that are treated certain way by law and another people that's treated by a different set of standards by another law. It's there. We can, ignore, we can ignore it and say it ain't, but uh, we, do have a broken, uh, we do have a broken judicial system in our country. Number three, truth is falling in the streets. This speaks of lies, deceptions, and falsehoods, manipulating knowledge that's given to people. In the last days, what would happen? That there would be what? Seducing spirits coming up on the land, doctrines of devils. There would be these evil spirits that would come to seduce and deceive. And people would be deceived and grow worse and grow darker. That's what the Bible tells us. How many knows I'm telling the truth? It speaks of false information that brainwashes and deceives people which forms their belief. We wonder how that these third world countries, how in the world did they get so brainwashed to believe what they brainwashed? And yet right here in America, it's happening to America and we're not even paying attention. You know what? It's that nowadays they don't give you the facts where you can think for yourself. They'll give you their narrative and then tell you what the narrative means and they'll tell you exactly what you are to think. Let me pause and say I'm a smart man. I can think for myself. I don't need somebody to tell me how to think. Can I have an amen? Oh, don't get me on that rabbit. 
It presents false narratives and its goal and objective is to destroy truth in people's minds. It's what we call indoctrination. As a matter of fact, in many parts, thank God not in this part, we still have a good solid school system, I believe, from Neelyville and, 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 and Puxico and all the different people that's represented, Popper Bluff and all those wonderful church, uh, schools and Naylor, all of those, we got great teachers in there. But I want to tell you, around America, it's not always like that. It's not that our children are being taught in many places, they're being indoctrinated with the philosophies of the world. Come on now. The agendas of the world is being crammed down their throat. They're being indoctrinated. They're not being taught history. They're not being, they're already changing history. Can I have an amen? Jeremiah Johnson just released a prophetic word. Those of you that may not know who he is, he's a man that's used mightily in the prophetic. And time after time after time, he said things and it's come to pass just like he said. But he said on May the 30th, and I'm not going to quote his whole quote because that's, I mean, his whole prophecy. I don't have the time and all of it does not pertain to my message, but part of it does. He said on May the 30th, 2020, while I was praying and pacing over the United States at home at 2 a.m., a demonic entity appeared right before me in an open vision. He said the demonic entity had a visible and deep scar underneath his right eye, but it also had the ability to mutate or rather change forms. I watched this beam morph or change several times right before my eyes, yet the gash behold his right eye never changed. It pointed his finger at me and it said, these words. Listen to what this demon said. I exist to deceive the whole world. I exist to deceive the whole world. I exist to deceive the whole world. I want you to get that. That's his objective. He said, just as there are forerunners, this demon said, just as there are forerunners in the kingdom of God that go before the Son of Man, men like John the Baptist, and I am a forerunning spirit that in the kingdom of darkness that has been sent before the coming of the man of lawlessness. Talking about the Antichrist. It continued, the scar under my right eye has come at the hands of a praying church. For many of them in the, at this hour, talking about the church, they have begun to detect our true plans and purposes. In other words, the church has caught on what they're up to. And he says, the church has become uh, 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 open and understanding of the signs of their time. He said, but they have begun to detect our true plans and purposes to disrupt systems, to divert attention, and to release chaos in the land. Them are three things that he's out to do. Look at them again. He's out to disrupt, disrupt systems. You know what that means? He's out to bring a lawless society. Did you know we even got politicians right now that's trying to say just dissolve the police departments? Do you realize that we got people now that saying the president don't even have the power to call in the National Guard to protect the American taxpayer from, from their homes being destroyed and their societies being destroyed and their children maybe being hurt or harmed? We are entering into the last days. But look up, because your redemption's about to draw nigh. <laughs> oh, that, that's another sermon, amen. But they're out to disrupt systems, lawlessness. And I want to tell you, the laws are not there to bind you. They're there to free you. And I want to, they're there to protect you. Without a law, there is no freedom. Can I have an amen? Then they're there to divert attention. What was the theme of our church? And what did we tell you? What have we been preaching for all this whole year, the year of 2020. It's the year of focus. It's to stay focused. 
You better stay alert. What do we say? You better be alert. First Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. We better be wise. We better be understanding of the times. We better have eyes to see and ears to hear of what the Spirit is saying to the church or we too will be deceived. And then there's the release of chaos and Well, that's another sermon within itself. But Jeremiah went on and said, at this point in the encounter, the hair on my body was standing straight up as I had never been told anything like that at length by a demonic entity. Suddenly, all I can describe is the authority and the mind of Christ came upon me and I pointed my finger at this demon demanded, who is the source behind your power and your influence? And I began to laugh hysterically. A sound that still taunts me to this day, he said. And with great rage, the demon answered and roared, the media. In other words, the media is behind his power and his influence. It's what gives him power. It's what gives him influence. Without going into all of the vision, there were three spirits released upon the earth from this media and this false information. The spirit of fear, the spirit of hate, and the spirit of greed. That was in his prophecy. All across America, people are being fearful. Many are not able to sleep at night, full of anxiety, oppression, with tormenting fear, leaving their lights on. Did you know they're, they're doing statistics that's blowing my mind? There are all kinds of people that won't even turn their lights off at night now. Many of them are taking their weapons and placing them by their beds for the first time in their lives. Many of them are carrying their guns on their side, going to work with them. And everywhere they go, they carry their guns because they're afraid of what's going on and they're out to protect themselves. There's nothing wrong with toting a gun. There's nothing wrong with wanting to protect yourself. But fear has gone rampant. And yet God said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. We cannot be fearful. Fear is the opposite of faith. And Jesus said this phrase more than any other repeated phrase in the word of God. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. We could quote them all, we could number them. But we believe more in the news of the times than we do the news of the gospel which produces faith. And let me tell you, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Can I have an amen? If we would spend more time in the word of God than we do watching, observing, and studying the media, we would be possessing a life of conquering faith. Amen? If we would spend more time in church and in prayer meetings and in devotions to God and around brothers who sharpen each other than we do researching false narratives presented by a medium, watching all this news all the time, we would see clearly how that God is in control and how and what he has desired for us to do about it as the body of Christ. I want to tell you, the events of the last day has not got God caught off guard and neither should have the church caught off guard. We are the body, the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Pentecostals have the answer because they've done it. They've overcome all of this strife. They've overcome all of this discrimination. We should be light and we should be darkness. There's chaos in our streets. Fear is running rampant. Lawlessness is over our cities right now. This, of course, has been prophesied within Scripture. Matthew 24 and 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. In other words, it's going to affect the church. What's going on right now won't cause the church. In the last days, there'll be a great falling away. It's happening. Are you going to be one that's going to fall away because of lawlessness? You're going to let it scare you and affect you to where you get to acting in the impulses of flesh and you lose sight of the glorious glories that God just told us to keep our eye upon? 
He's the author, the finisher of our faith. Look under the hills to where cometh your strength. Your strength cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Somebody help me preach right here. And yet King James Version said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But there's going to be many that's going to fall away. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7, the Bible says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The King James Version puts it this way, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken away. What's that scripture talking about? Don't have time to preach on it all, but this tells us that it is the church that is a restraining force that holds back the lawless one, the Antichrist, from coming on the scene. The Antichrist cannot come into full power as long as the church of Jesus Christ is here. Why? Because we're the anointed of God. We have power to tread upon demons. We have power to tread upon serpents. We have power over all of the enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We are made more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who died and gave himself for us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It ain't a horse shaking off fleas. It's the holy man, the God, shaking off holy ghost bumps. Hallelujah. We're the restraining force. We're the glue that holds everything together. We're the light. We're the salt. We have the answer. The church in this season must be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Brother Randy and I have been preaching for years on what's coming. We have prophesied many things we were talking about the other day, and I thought, I forgot about you prophesying that. Well, I forgot about you prophesying this. And all the things that we prophesied years ago, and they're coming to pass right now, right before our eyes. The things we taught, the things we preached. He would remind me of a sermon. I'd remind him of a sermon. I, for some reason, can remember his sermons better than I can remember my own. I guess he's more anointed than I am. Some say he's annoying. <laughs> Amen. In the last few months, we have had two major events that has brought division in our country. First of all, there is this thing called the virus. I don't have time to go into all of the different viewpoints on this thing called the virus. And a matter of fact, you're going to be blown away when you get out there and see all these different kind of viewpoints. There's so many, you can't even trace them all. But some say it's a political poll to take down a president for election. Others say that it's a conspiracy theory where men are attempting to use it to take over the world and gain power Many have tied corrupt billionaires and world leaders together in their studies who have ties to government authorities to back up their viewpoints about how they're using this virus to their own advantage. Some say it's China trying to destroy our economy and weaken our nation for a future takeover. And even though that we know that the virus is real, how many do know that the virus is real? Yet we also know that we've been sold a bill of goods with a lot of false information. We know that less than 1% of the people have actually died we know that more die with the common flu than with this virus. We know that it's not easiest to catch is what they first said. We also know that every computer graph and every prediction was completely overstated and blown out of proportion, even up to sometimes two and 300% overstated. You may ask me, what is my personal belief? I believe in all of the theories. Number one, our, our own politician said, don't let a virus pass without using it for a good cause. Let, it's, uh, this virus has been manipulated and used for political advantage and leverage. 
Every good intention that our president had in presenting a stimulus for the people and money to hospitals and, and, and other measures to fight this virus, the other side added pork to those bills, trying to get money for Planned Parenthood, trying to get money for abortion, trying to get money for the Kennedy Library, which they succeeded of up to millions of dollars. They tried to get money for, so that they're trying to get money now to where you can vote next for the president by mail. All of that has nothing to do whatsoever about fighting a virus. This thing's been exploited. China will use anything to weaken America. And it's very possible, and even evidence do point to the fact that they were behind the spread of the virus on purpose, created the virus to actually destroy American economy to get back at how that the trade wars has destroyed and hurt their economy. It's a fact that some of that is true. Yet there's a group of billionaires that is trying to take over the country and promote socialism and communism to where they can rise in power and become dictators over the United States. They want the democracy to fall and they want a communism, social government, so that they can be dictators in which they will rule and reign as king and priest and big shots. Amen? It's called greed and it's called power grabbers. And they're out to do it. We can see it and not, we're not blinded of it. Even in the prophecy, Jeremiah said that the church is caught on to what the agenda is. Every one of these agendas that I just spoke about are true, they exist, and they are reality. Did you know that families are dividing, friends are separating, churches are splitting and fighting over the virus? An enemy we can't even see? All across America, statistics are staggering. Listen to this. The latest statistics said, look, right now we usually run around 700. This morning, I don't know how many, we've been running 400, 450, and it's because of a virus, and we understand it. We're going to be talking about it in a little bit. But they say, by statistics, what is being believed, and they say that they think that it is a very conservative number, that probably around somewhere around 40% of the people that were attending church on a regular basis prior to the virus will never return back to church again. Scary, isn't it? The churches can lose 40% of their population just like that. The church world, not necessarily one single church. There are people across America where they're fighting and feuding and separating for one another over this thing called the virus. There are people who are so appalled that churches has opened their doors that they vow, I'll never go to church there again. They've opened the doors. Look what they're doing. While on the other side, there are other people that are saying, them people closed their doors. What kind of church are they? Where's their faith? I'll never attend that church again. Hang with me. One side says the church is the problem. They're out here help spreading the virus. And the other side says we are essential just like the bars and Walmart and everybody else and we cannot help but come because our faith and our belief and our doctrine is that we lay hands on the sick. Their conviction is our doctrine cannot be good only in good times. It has to be good in bad times. Our doctrine is no good at all. Their conviction is Jesus went around healing the lepers and touching the lepers and went to the lepers' home with his disciples and leprosy is a lot worse than this thing called the virus. That's their conviction. Their conviction is the Bible commands us to lay hands on the sick and let them recover at all times, not just when it's convenient, when we want to believe it. 
Now, it's Pentecostal DNA. It's who they are. It's their faith. So the church is finding themselves in a no-win situation. They're doomed if they do, and they're doomed if they don't. There's no winners. Right now, pastors and leaders, we've had meetings, we've had prayer meetings, we sought the face of God, we've done everything that we know to do, and no matter what we do, we have a pile of people against us and a pile of people for us, and if we flip the thing, this group's gonna be for us, that one's gonna be against us. There is no winners in what's taking place right now and the decisions of these pastors and leaders trying to lead their congregations. Can I have an amen? We have taken the position and the stance here at the palace. If you have a conviction to stay at home, stay at home. No one's going to judge you. We support you. We understand. Everybody's not in the same position. Everybody doesn't have the same health problems. Come on. Everybody's got a different kind of a walking lifestyle. If you want to stay at home, stay at home. We will not judge you, and we will support you. We will applaud you. Can I have an amen? But if you have the conviction to come to church, come to church. No one's going to judge you for coming to church either. We have people mad because certain people don't wear a mask. You got other people saying, I'm not wearing the mask because statistics says the 86 to 90% of them don't even work anyway. Amen? If you have the conviction to come to church, we want you to come to church and we want no one judging us for coming to church. This is a volunteer thing. No one forces anyone to come here on this Sunday morning and no one is condemning them for not coming. That's how we wanted it. Does that that sound fair enough? Can I have an amen? Amen. But the problem of it is that people don't understand. We had one visitor come and say, well, I wanted to come because y'all said you were open, but y'all wasn't socially distancing yourself enough like I thought you should. We're doing everything we know to do. We're not passing the offering plate. We're putting it out there on the table where you don't touch that. We're having the ushers open the door. We're having our cleaners sanitize the building constantly. We have hand wash everywhere. And everybody says, yeah, but people are sitting together. Folks, you got to understand something. There's been people sitting together all through this process. There may be you who's just got two in the family or four in the family. It's been you two and four sitting there in your home all sealed up. But there's other families that co-inhabit from house to house to house the whole time. And sometimes there's 30 and 40 of those people and they've not been anywhere else, and they know that their family member doesn't have them. They know where their family member's been, so they co-inhabit, and they join together, and when they come to church, there may be 40 of them sitting together. I am not a police officer. We have given out the rules. We've given out our, our requests. You are what we call adults, and everybody's got And if you don't want to socialize, sit by yourself here at the church, enjoy the presence of God, and somebody comes up on you, just say, we're socially distancing. Is that fair? Other churches just took our approach. They've watched us, but in many cases, it's not working for them. Hallelujah, I think it's working for us. But it don't work everywhere because everyone wants to argue and try to win people over to their convictions. Everyone wants to gripe, throw out their opinions, get on social media and debate. I wish the Lord would destroy social media. Stupid things that just get on there. Endless strife. Separating the body of Christ, and it's a work of the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit is working in our land. Do not allow him to use you. Don't allow yourself to be pulled into endless battles where no one wins except the evil one. Don't allow tempers to flare and hearts to become wounded, ought to be formed, and relationships to be ruined. Discord among the brethren is not only a sin, it's an abomination unto God. 
Matter of fact, it'll keep you out of heaven. Did you know if you have ought against somebody, you can't go to heaven? Jesus said, this is how I know that you're my disciples. If you have love one toward another and let love be expressed one to another. Another event that's spreading in our nation, it's very tense right now, is the racial wars. The event that has brought this to the forefront is the death of George Floyd. And let me say this. Let me say it loud. Let me say it clear. I'm a fast preacher, so I want to slow myself down. I am nauseated. I am repelled by the video of George Floyd being murdered in front of the view, in the very view of our eyes by a police officer in uniform. While there were other policemen, three other policemen that stood by and watched and they did nothing to intervene. Let me go on record by saying it was nothing more than pure motive of murder. Let me be clear as I possibly can. Every American has a moral obligation to condemn the brutal murder of Mr. Floyd and the demand that the police be punished to the full extent of the law. Justice must be served. Can I have an amen? All four police officers right now have been brought up on charges. I'm in totally agreement with that. I do think that some of them are going to have to find out facts that go on behind the scenes. They're innocent until proven guilty by law, and the Justice Department is arrested. That's good enough. Now let the Justice Department find out and let justice be served. But this is not just my opinion that I'll fight for. This is a kingdom principle. It's called, and it's a law, equal justice under the law. And not only that, it's a biblical principle. All men are created equal in the sight of God. Whether you be black, white, Jew, Gentile, it don't matter. This is a fight of the kingdom. However, there's an endless racial wars that's being stirred by an endless media making havoc and creating chaos using George, George's death for personal advantage. They're using it to push their agenda. They don't care about him. They're exploiting the death of Mr. Floyd for their own purposes and they're making it look like they're doing it for the black race and for the cause of black, black discrimination. George Floyd's own family is begging. They're pleading, stop all of this nonsense because we're God-fearing, peaceful family and you do not represent us and you're not doing my brother any honor. This ought to infuriate us more than anything. But the problem is people are buying into the media narrative. Now there's wars between the words, black lives matter, all lives matter, white lives matter, wars. There's war between words, white privilege. That gets under the skin of a lot of us. There's wars between the belief of rights, the burning of cities, the destruction of private property, looting, stealing, and the list goes on and on and on of all of the different things that's going on. And yet all of this stuff is condemned in Scripture everywhere. These are the works of the flesh. Did you know that the mayor of Minneapolis has just asked President Trump for $55 million just to, to repair the destruction that's took place in that city? $55 million of people who sweat with tears to get their buildings and businesses and their neighborhoods up, and they've destroyed it. This is a very sensitive chapter, and there's no way for me to preach to you today on every biblical example that there is to preach on. However, I can tell you this, that most of what we believe as an individual is caused by our upbringing, it's caused by our environment, 
But more importantly, it's caused by our personal experiences. Amen? There's no doubt without question. There's been black discrimination around the nation for years. And if you are there are white and you don't believe that, then I, I personally believe you're blinded. I can disagree agreeably with you, but I want to tell you, there's been black discrimination in our country for years. There's also no doubt that there's many white people that have not one ounce of prejudice in them toward the black community. Those of you that may be black here today, if you think that's not true, I can disagree agreeably, but I can show you one that has not one ounce of prejudice in his bone body, and that's me. There are all kinds of white people involved in the protest around the nation with these black people. Can I have an amen? There is. And I personally have many black friends. Many of them have come preach for me. They've ate at my table. They've slept in my beds. They've run around with me. I've given them money. I've supported their ministries. I prayed for them. They prayed for me. We've cried together. We've shared together. While the discrimination toward blacks was beginning to heal and get better as a whole around this nation, we know that happened. Everybody says, oh, you're in denial, man. You don't know. I want to tell you it had to happen. How do I know? Because we elected a black American president when we elected President Obama. President Obama did not get elected without the big portion, if not the majority, of the white vote. Didn't happen because the white race is 64.8% of the population while the black population is 14.6%. However, the spirit of Antichrist and demonic demon of hell has taken tragedies that involved racial discrimination and begin to exploit it to deceive a nation to cause chaos, strive, hatred, and greed by a false narrative and by false information. It's lies. It's seduction. It's deception on purpose. They have created a hellish doctrine. A lot of people have erred, got caught up in it, and they've erred in their belief. They believed a lie, and the Bible says they will be damned. In certain hot spots in our nation where discrimination remained prevalent and aggressive and remained mostly ignored by the judicial system all of the years for 100 years. This caused many of certain areas to become frustrated, hurt. They felt rejected. They felt ignored. The cause of protest in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, some of the black community felt like that the only way to get their attention is become somewhat aggressive maybe a little bit violent, maybe to just get enough attention to show a little bit of display of anger in order to get their attention. In many cases, it appears and it seemed that peaceful demonstrations in times past created no results. This is normal, what these people felt and the way they reacted. It's called humanistic flesh, I mean human flesh. It's called reacting out of emotion. It's called humanistic thinking. It's called carnal-mindedness. And even though we understand it, yet it's wrong, and it brings forth death. This is what all worldly, unregenerated people do in all races. All races, white, black, Jew, Gentile, all races act out of emotions. All races respond to personal experiences. You do, I do. We respond to our circumstances. If you don't believe me, hit yourself on the finger with a hammer and see how you react. Amen? You're going to react. Let bad things happen over and over and over, and you're going to react. Circumstances has a way of pushing our buttons. Black people are no different. White people are no different. We are the same. One skin may be black. One skin may be white, but we all have red blood. We're all one. Did you know hurt people hurt others? 
Did you know wounded people wound others? Do you know frustrated people vent their frustrations? Both black, white, both Jew, both Gentile. Come on. Am I preaching okay? We've seen tempers flare at ball games, sports events, children competitions, where destructive things happen over the most minute thing. Then we want to blame some of these black people whose lives have been shattered in deep things such as murder and stuff for reacting the way that they react. And some of us white folks will go to a ball game and we'll cuss a ref out and get in a fight after the thing and we'll pull families into it. Before long, you got a big brawl out there. You've got a car key. you got flats and everything else. And sometimes it can even lead to killing. And this has happened sometimes at all white events. Amen? Am I not right? I seen it at Dexter, Missouri one time over a jealousy of a boyfriend and a girl. We're driving there where we always, we took the loops. Back in the day, we cruised. We were right by the theater there and we heard a boom. We thought something blew up. I thought, what in the world was that? Not knowing I was only about 100 yards from a murder. Not even that, 50 yards from a murder. I drove out to the main strip and we went down and all of a sudden here come all these cops and we went to see what in the world was going down. A young man brought out his girlfriend. They went and they got in their car and another guy pulled up, got a 30-06 come out and pointed it through the windshield and blew the white boy's head off and he was white as well because he was with that girl. Violence, strife, hatred. All that some black people want to hear is this. Black lives matter. They want to hear it out of the mouth of a white person. I feel tension right now. Some people, that's all they want to hear. Many people, let me put it this way, many black people do believe that all lives matter. The majority of black people believe that. But they just want us to single them out for a moment. They want, us, us, they want to hear us say, hey, at this particular point of what's going on, black lives matter. It makes them feel like that you're addressing the problem at hand and you're not just generalizing it. They want to know that we're real and that we do understand their problem. And they want us to just say, hey, black lives do matter. So Kent Miller, the palace of praise pastor, stand here unequivocally, stand on this solid firm foundation, black lives matter. <laughs> Period. if I just stop right there? Would y'all be happy with my response? However, the Antichrist spirit has infiltrated the good intentions of black people that have become a little frustrated, that have become somewhat aggressive by infiltrating a group of people with an agenda right into the very mist. The Antichrist spirit is clever and he knows how to use the words to his advantage. The people that they've infiltrated is an organization called Black Lives Matter. Their platform, go online, look it up, see what they believe in. They believe in violence. They believe in hatred. They believe in killing police officers. They believe in, they don't believe in equality. They believe in supremacy, which is unbiblical. They are the ones that define the words, all life matters as racial, which is completely unscriptural. You cannot build one race up by destroying another race. Now, I feel tension, but I can't help it. Many of these people are paid people with an agenda. They're on a, 
payroll check and they're bussed into cities not to protest peacefully, but to riot, to loot, to burn, to destroy. They're there to convert, influence, distract, stir up emotions, and get people caught up in their purposes. That's what they're there for. That's what they're designed. They're getting paid by a billionaire to do it. It's tracked, it's traced. Buses are going all over the country. Everyone that marches with this organization, all of the people do not fully understand or know exactly what these people believe in, no more than everybody that comes to the palace knows and, what, knows and understands what we believe in. Everybody don't study that stuff. They're just touched by their personal experience and their emotions are stirred, they're wounded, they're hurt people, they're looking for answers and they're reacting to the hurt and their wounds of their lives. And in many cases, they don't even know that there is an organization called Black Lives Matters. They just kind of filter in unaware in the protest, and then they start their indoctrination. They try to stir them up, get them caught up in that emotion. If you don't think that can happen, I want to tell you, I've been innocent before and being caught up in situations and somebody get all flared up before long. Come on, Kent, come on, Kent. And before long, they had me all worked up. Come on. I had a friend that he knew how to manipulate me. He was a little bitty runt and he'd pick a fight and then I always had to finish it and somehow Kent Miller always got gr dragged into it. He had worked me up. Now, ain't no different than what's going on right now by the spirit of Antichrist. Working people up and they don't know how to war against the spirit that's behind it. City after city has said, these are not our people. They do not represent our neighborhoods. They don't even live here. Some of them think that Black Lives Matters is just a motto, not an organization. And the organization Black Lives Matters do not hold a copyright to those words no more than the snake handlers, handlers had a copyright to the word of Pentecost. When you hear the term Black Lives Matter, it does not all represent what this organization stands for. Even though there may be a little aggression, even though there may be a little anger, even though there may be a little hurt and frustration, some of these people have a right to be hurt. Some of these people do have deep wounds, but that does not mean that all of them are bad people. They're caught up in emotion. Just like you and I would be. Can I have an amen? We cannot tie everybody together. And black lives matter. It's not a bad phrase. No more than all lives matter is bad. All lives matter is a biblical principle, for heaven's sakes. However, personal experiences causes people to change their mind, just like that, whether good or whether bad. Let's flip on the other side of some of the people that is involved in some of this stuff where their minds were changed. For example, a businessman for 38 years comes running out of his business yelling, what are you people doing here? I've been in business for 36 years right here, on, uh, 38 years right here on this corner. I've struggled, I've worked, I've planned, I sacrificed to have this business and you have looted and you have stolen and you have burned it down. And then he said, look at me, I'm black. And then he said, you are not a part of us. You do not represent us. Go home. Go back to where you came from. This man did not get media attention because it didn't fit the media's narrative. It didn't fit their agenda message. They didn't want to bring attention to it. They didn't want to bring a light to this guy. They didn't care about his black life that would be forever changed. 
Are you with me? Another little black girl, 10 to 12 years old, drooped over the dead body of her black sister during the protest. She cried. She cried and she was saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. It wasn't a cop that killed my sister. It was a protester. Her and her family's thought toward the organization of Black Lives Matter changed just like that. One minute, stirred up in emotion, caught up in the drama, Caught up in the spirit of the age. Caught up in the spirit of the time. Caught up in that feel of anger and wrath. All of a sudden, everything that she thought she stood for changed just like that. There's no public outcry, no protest on her behalf. No media coverage whatsoever. No rioting on her behalf. Why doesn't this little girl's life matter? She's black. The latest... I can find out, and I've tried to do it right before I even come to church. There's not been anybody that I can find that has even been charged for her murder with all kinds of witnesses of how it was done. What people fail to see is there's 47,841,851 black African Americans in the United States. They hold 14.6% of the American's population. With all of the numbers of the rioters, 10,000 here, 20,000 here, 40,000 here, 60,000 there, with all the rioters, and many of them are white, it represents less than 1% of the black population. 1% would mean that there would be 478,418 protesters, and if they were up to 2%, it would be a million people. And what's going on is actually dividing folks, which the media does not cover this. It's not only dividing our nation, but it's dividing the black population as well. They're dividing like crazy. All kinds of black Americans are beginning to speak out and say, black lives matter organizations do not represent us. Many of them feel like that Black Lives Matter has stolen their voice, their identity, and they set the race back over 200 years. Black people, folks, are not thugs. They're not violent. They're not wild. They're not untamed. They're not unruly people. They are people uniquely created by God. They're our brothers. They're our sisters. They are our family. They're just as important as we are. And I stand firm to say I love the black race with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my might. And I will fight with them. And I will fight for them with every ounce of breath that I have. Just hang with me. I got 10 more minutes, okay? There's more civil, honest, hardworking, peace-fearing, loving, smart black Americans 
out there that's against all of this chaos than there is for it, and the media is not betraying that at all. They don't even represent 2% of their population. Amen? You cannot lump everybody together no, like they did on the day of Pentecostal people. Some of us suffer because of the hands of other people. One of my black minister friends who's a pastor of mine in the inner city or was in the inner city of St. Louis, he was there during the time of Ferguson. And he said, this doesn't represent the black inner city population at all. It isn't who we are. He said, most of the people are not even from here. And he said, the whole black race gets stigmatized and a stigmatism placed upon them because of just a handful of a few people. You cannot judge a whole race by the actions of less than 1% to 2% of the population. I have another black minister who's a friend of mine who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King back in the day. There was a group of young men that came to him wanted to go out and march with them, and they were not peaceful. He said, no, I'm not going with you. They criticized him. They discriminated against him. They literally was getting aggressive with him because of it. He said, guys, I am not going. There was a division among them. Martin Luther King would not even support them. And we could give you pages upon pages upon pages of because of time I don't have time of quotes from Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King that not only demanded peaceful protest but condemned any behavior that wasn't. Martin Luther King's niece who stands for the same principles of her uncle speaks against all of the so-called Black Lives Matter organization. Not against black lives but against that organization. She does not get interviewed by the liberal media. She does not get hours of free exposure. She isn't asked to express her point of views. Why? Because it doesn't fit their narrative and our message goes against their agenda to divide. They do not want healing because there is a spirit out there called the Antichrist. Everything Martin Luther King stood for and everything that he gained has been set back due to the actions of just a few people here in the last 10 days. But the rise of it all is caused by a media-led message that is of the spirit of Antichrist that is out to divide, separate, kill, and destroy a demon that has been sent from hell. Amen? The truth of the matter is, if the rights were happening in Popper Bluff, many of you would even have a different opinion than what you hold right now. If it was your house that was on fire and your kid was trapped and the protesters wouldn't let the fire truck there to put the fire out, how would you feel? If it was your stuff being stolen, looted, and destroyed, if it was your baby girl that was killed out in the street by a protester, would you change your mind about protesting a little bit? Because your kids are going to face all this stuff. And in the midst of anger, frustration, hurt, and pain, you and I cannot lose our heads and become carnally minded and resort to violence and anger, wrath, strife, and division. Two wrongs don't make a right. We Pentecostals are the answer because we've overcome the problem in a religious way. We can do it in a racial way as well. The early Pentecostals did not resort to violence or killing or taking up arms. They fought it in a spiritual way. They were not fighting flesh and blood and they knew it. You know how they fought it? They bowed their knees. If, and, and, and 2 Chronicles 7:14 says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land. This is a spiritual fight. And if we don't recognize it, we lose. If we try to fight outside of the spirit realm in our own flesh, our ideologies, our mindsets, our southeast Missouri mindsets and opinions, and in our own little belief, we lose and the spirit of Antichrist wins. Our opinions won't change anybody's minds. 
Our carnal debates will not change a thing. Our argumentative remarks will not heal wounded hearts. Our harsh statements will not smooth broken spirits. We don't need a martyr and feel like I'm standing up for a cause, bless God. If you're gonna be a martyr for something, be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Quit trying to act like you gotta be empowered by something. Good night, that's so uncarnal, so carnal. Recognition and restoration comes only by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all hope, is to show them the love of Jesus. Why? Because we're to love the unlovable as he has loved us who's been unlovable. While we were yet sinners, Christ died and gave himself for us. There are many things we have to do, but the number one thing, the Lord spoke to me, he said, you better watch your words. Because I'm gonna tell you, the words are powerful. Words can either heal or wound, bless or curse, build or destroy, redeem or ruin. Proverbs 19 says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. The Bible tells us in James chapter one, if we don't know how to bite of our tongue, we are what? If we don't know how to bite of our tongue, we are not control. We are double-minded people when dealing with these most sensitive subjects. Our words are of most importance. We gotta speak words of life, unity, peace. The old saying, sticks and stones don't break my bones. I may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words can hurt you. We're either going to be unified or divided by our words. Reckless and unthoughtful words will cause us to suffer the consequences of a dysfunctional, separated society. We have to eliminate negative, dysfunctional speech such as discord, division, slander, judgmental, critical, complaining, arguing, arguing, anger, deceitful, doubtful, filthy language. It's unscriptural. Our words must be positive. We must have constructive speech. 1 Corinthians 14 and 6, let all things be done to edifying, the building up of somebody. And this is one of the hardest things, and I'm gonna be closing in just a minute, but get this. We have to pick our battles and sometimes it's better to hold our peace and our tongue in, in love than it is to voice our opinion. Proverbs 15 and one says, a kind word turneth away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. There's been times I've been in places where they were pushing my buttons and I thought, but the only way to love them is just let them vent and let me show them the love of Jesus. Let me earn respect to be able to give them my opinion. I have to hold it sometimes. And sometimes I don't do well and sometimes I see the wrong thing and it causes strife. Matthew 5 and 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers for they're the children of God. We need words of faith, hope, healing, forgiveness, love, peace, unity. And even, even though we need the words of truth, they, truth's gotta be spoken in love because truth can cut. What happens if April looks at Chuck and says, Chuck, do you like my red pants today? And he just abhorbs He just, no, nah, I don't like them at all. And he says, no, they make you look ugly. Is that the right thing to say to your wife? Even though it may be true the way he feels? His best thing would say, I want to tell you that that color is just really bright and it's pretty. Amen. There's ways around it. By the way, I think you look gorgeous. We have to do the same thing in racial wars, guys. Ephesians, you know, remember when Peter was in the garden and the mob, the riots begin to happen? They're going to take Jesus, they're going to kill him. That's how bad it is. You remember that? 
Peter pulls out a sword and whacks the servant of the high priest ears off. Jesus said, put that sword up. He that fights with the sword is going to perish by the sword. And he rebuked him and said, you save the things that be of, uh, of man and not of God. Put it up. And he goes over there and he picks the ear up of that guy and heals him, shows him grace, shows him love. And that man's there to take him away and crucify him. They take Jesus. And here's Peter thinking, what in the world? But let me tell you the, uh, the allegory or the symbolic there. The sword in scripture, what does it represent? The word of God. And you know what some people do? They take the word of God and they try to use it as a club. And what Jesus was referring to, not only in a natural standpoint, he said, don't ever use the word of God as a club. It's not a hate tool. But speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, Ephesians 4.15. We gotta speak the truth in love. This is why our text said, you wonder why I used it. Never a man spanked like this man. Oh, I wish I had time. Oh, I've got a lot more preaching. I can't get there. They're crucifying him. They're accusing him. They're spitting on him. They're beating him. They're thronging him. But never a man spanked like this man. All the way to the cross, his words were love, forgiveness, peace, unity. Come on. It was the apostle Paul that said, let your conversation be yea, yea, nay, nay, anything more, this cometh of evil. It was Jesus that said in Matthew 12 and 37, either by your words you'll be condemned or by your words you'll be justified. For every idle word that you say, you'll give an account on the day of judgment. For every bit of strife that you bring up, you're gonna be judged according to it. Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Go study those out. To have long-suffering, peace, gentleness, goodness, love. Galatians 5, 19 says, now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. That's talking about behavioral things. But then he shifts. Hatred, variances, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Oh, heresies, false information. Envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, brawling, strifing, such like, all of these things, which I have told you before and I also tell you again, they that which do these, do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not gonna go to heaven if you do those things. You're not gonna go to heaven if you support those things. What are they? Sedition, strife, wrath, emulations, wrath, hatred, revelings, fighting, brawling, strife, murders. That's the attitude of mind. Caught up in heresy when you believe that's acceptable. Anybody that believes that's acceptable is a heretic. Galatians 5 and 16 says, this I see them walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And folks, this is where we're at. I'm gonna be honest with you. You suffer when you have to crucify your flesh to walk in the spirit. There is a suffering that you and I suffer for Jesus Christ. It's hard to keep your mouth shut sometimes when you feel like you're right. It's hard to stand in the midst of opposition and be a peacemaker. And you have to crucify that flesh when your blood's boiling. And there's a suffering. Jesus suffered even being tempted. We suffer, we suffer with him. And the Bible says if we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together with him. Can I have an amen? Right now, you and I have to be more spiritual than we've ever been. I'm, not, I'm giving a little time. Folks, it's just this one time. Maybe twice this year I'll do this. 
Corey Timboon, Germany concentration camps. Father killed, brother killed, separated, destroyed. Thousands upon thousands murdered in gas chambers and her watching it. In her little camp, the women were being raped by the Germans by the hundreds, coming in and having their way with the women. And they would not come into Corey Tim Boone's place because she had lice. Lice was a blessing upon that camp. They kept it on purpose so that they wouldn't be raped by the Roman soldiers. And the whole time that all these killings and beatings and rapes were taking place, Corey Tim Boone's sister would grab a hold of Corey who was mad and she would calm her and disciple her and said, Corey, you cannot hate these Germans. You cannot go to heaven if you hate. You cannot succumb yourself to their level. And there she had God's grace enable her in that concentration camp to begin to pray for the German people and was saying, Father, forgive them for they're blinded. They don't know what they're doing. They have false information. They're led astray. And she began to, for the first time, understand it was not the German people that was her enemy. It was the prince and the powers of the air. Christ on that cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. My pastor told me of that story I've told you many times of the disciples in the boat, and I think you're gonna hear a sermon around that tonight. But nevertheless, when that wave got up and started sinking that ship, they got all upset and began to accuse Jesus of not caring. And it was there that Jesus got up and showed us the warfare. He spoke peace to those waves, but he rebuked the wind. Those waves are what? James says, double-minded people are unstable in all the ways. They're like the waves of the seas tossed to and fro. They're stirred by their emotion. They're stirred by their set of circumstances. They're stirred by their hurt. They're doing ungodly things, but that don't mean that they're just mean people. They're just controlled by the set of their circumstances and they're reacting to it. They're fearful. They're acting out of fear. They don't know what to do. They've not caught on to faith. And he said, don't rebuke them. Speak peace to them. Speak peace to them, waves. That's not your problem. But then he turned around and he rebuked that wind. It was that wind that was pushing those waves. It was that wind, that demonic spirit, that antichrist that was riling the people up. And let me tell you, the organization of Black Lives Matter that are paid, they, they're being used, they're being manipulated, and they're going in here and they got an agenda and they do these things on purpose. Folks, they're not our enemy. It's the spirit behind them. It's the spirit. Are you listening to me? And out of their hurt, some of them are deceived because they're hurt. They're frustrated. And we got to have enough sense to be spiritual to see through the eyes of the spirit and fight against the spirit that's rallying them up. So will you stand with me today?